Welcome to On the Couch with Caroline, where we'll be finding out what makes people do the impossible. Please enjoy the episode. Hello, everyone, and welcome to On the Couch with Caroline. Although I have had a little bit of a change of office, so I'm not quite on the couch, I'm on the chair tonight. But I'm here with Michelle Cavello, and uh, we're going to talk about, you know, what makes Michelle be the impossible. You know, what I love is in, uh, inspiring you, all of you out there, to, you know, chase your dreams. And and I know as women we can sometimes get a little bit stuck or lost in what we want to do and what we want to be. Um, so hopefully we can get to some nitty-gritty stuff too because we really want to find out what makes Michelle tick. Uh, so welcome, Michelle. Hi, thank you for having me. It's lovely to be chatting. It's great to be back on the couch again with you. Um, so I'm just going to do a little introduction and so you get an idea of who Michelle is and what she does and then we'll get into it. Okay, so Michelle is the founder of Lantern Partners, which is a virtual CFO firm working for founders and CEOs of startups and scale-ups. She's got a personal love of driving entrepreneur success because early in her career, she realised there was a need for founders to have good access to good commercial and strategic financial support. Often the health and hygiene compliance work was sorted, but it was missing a piece of the puzzle, was for partnering support to help businesses really grow. She founded Lantern Partners with the vision of being that partner. Her business now serves as clients nationally in Australia and internationally across a couple of industries. It's also, which we love, 80% female staffed and everyone works flexibly both in terms of time and location, even pre-COVID. So she was on top of this well before COVID struck. In 2022, she launched her corporate to consultant program, which is a practical guide through the key building blocks in making a successful move. Think of it as your year 10 head start. Michelle was recently named one of the top 50 women in accounting and top small business leaders. She's passionate about using her voice and her stories to support women in the industry, as well as small business and individuals moving from corporate roles into their consulting dreams. She hates the idea of people feeling stuck, whether professionally or in business, when the information she shares can unlock that. Welcome, Michelle. You Hi. do some amazing things. And I totally relate to the uh, feeling stuck thing. And as myself, I moved from corporate into entrepreneurship. So that was one of the most amazing things that I did. Um, so it's going to be great to hear, you know, behind the scenes of how you got to be there. So I guess the first question, I'm just going to dive straight deep yeah. in. And if someone asked you, who is Michelle? Oh, what does she stand for? <laughs> so, um, oh, gosh, that's a big one. Um, so I guess for me, what do I stand for? So I, I you covered some of it in the intro. Um, I am my... Kind of reason for for existing kind of in business and I guess kind of more broadly in life is about amplifying the voices of, of women um, in finance and in leadership more generally it's something that I love to do um, if I, you know wind back a couple of years ago and I was much less comfortable 
using my voice, being visible, even though I've been running the business for a good long while by then, um, I kind of I ran it quietly. I didn't want yes. to be too... I don't know. I don't. I don't know what I was scared of. I, I I didn't want to be too out there or showing off or doing all those things. And there there was this really nice perspective change for me um, when I was named one of the the top fifty women in accounting last year, which was wonderful. That's amazing. Yes. Um, and um, they the organisation that was, that was awarding it asked me kind of what it meant to me. And after thinking for a little bit. I realized that what it meant for, for me is that I had this bigger platform now to use my voice, to be more visible, to play a bit of a leadership role for, for women in finance, particularly. There are some horrific stats out there in terms of, which I'll, I'll quote you because I, yeah. I love quoting these stats because they're so awful. So the finance industry is dispropor- disproportionately female staffed. So I think it's about 50%. Yeah which sounds great um, until you get to the following stats, which are less than a third of women are in leadership roles and just 10% of them are running the company or CEO founder roles, which is awful. Yeah, and I think, do you know what that, and it's same across the board. I I did a talk once uh, last year for International Women's Day and, yeah, something like 10% of boards in Australia have women. Is that, is that stupid stat, isn't it? There are more there are more men called John than women on ASX boards. Well, <laughs> <laughs> the John <laughs> the John factor. Oh my gosh, yeah. And and I get that. You know, that's great because I think you know you touched on something that you know is sort of like you know I'm passionate about is women, especially in their middle age ages, becoming visible. Um, to everyone else, not to us because we've, you know, spent a lot of our life pushing everyone up around us and then you're seen as invisible at a certain age. And I think it's really important to have people like you who have a voice and go, no, we're not. Yeah, yeah. And I think it's really interesting as well kind of on that point because I, but my, I don't think I've shared this with you, you particularly before, but my background is that, that my, I'm half Chinese. My mum's um, Singaporean and Chinese culture is very much about revering age yes. and having it come with wisdom and greater respect and all of those kind of things. So I kind of, I think I grew up with a different lens and a, a perspective on aging, but then, you know, we live in a Western society in Australia. So I certainly identify with, um, so with, with what you're talking about. Um, but I think there's this funny thing as well when you get to be middle aged is that I don't know. Can you swear? Can we, can we swear? Say whatever <laughs> the fuck you like. <laughs> less fucks to give yes. like, to that point and you're just like do you know what I've I've played the game and I've been the good girl and I've done everything I was supposed to do but and I've supported everybody else and it's now it's like bugger it I want to be noisy and I want to be you know vocal and I want to you know celebrate the women around me and champion those women because bloody hell we've been quiet for long enough Oh, absolutely. Couldn't agree more. Um, and yeah, it's funny, isn't it? Because I, I actually think 
I'm like 53 now. And I think once I hit 50, I think life just got better. Mm-hmm. I just went, oh, my God, I yeah. can actually do and say and be whatever yeah. the hell I like. And if you don't like it, I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> it's incredibly freeing. and it, But it was funny. It reminds me of this time when um, I was a teenager and my mum, I was having this conversation with my mum, and my mum, bless her, was trying to have a very earnest, honest conversation with me and said, oh, I only really started becoming confident in my 40s. Mm. It's an obnoxious kind of, I think, 13-year-old at the time. I'm like, oh, my God, that's so pathetic. Like, I'm 13 and I know everything, (laughs) you know, just with that confidence of a a teenager. But when I hit my 40s, I was like, oh, this is what you meant. Um, And it was this beautiful kind of revelation. I remember talking to all my girlfriends at the time and they were like, yeah, you know, there is... Uh, a comfort in your own skin that I think you only really start to kind of grow into in your in your forties in your middle yeah. age, um, and and you know I, I, and I found it kind of quite a beautiful thing actually. I have to say, yeah, uh, it, it is amazing, and you know, and I guess though sometimes like I find that a lot of the women I hang around with. Feel that way. Mm. Then there's also a lot of women who don't, and that's why we have to champion each other. Yes, and that's why we have to keep talking about it, and that's why we need to keep building the communities around us because every woman deserves to feel like that. Yeah, absolutely. Oh yeah. Now talking about thirteen-year-old Michelle, (laughs) (laughs) when you were thirteen, did you have any idea what you wanted to do with your life? God, no. I think I wanted to be Indiana Jones when I was 13. I think I watched that 10 times over. I put it on repeat. I loved Harrison Ford. (laughs) And I had this weird obsession with being a long-distance lorry driver as well. I don't know quite why. Um, But um, I I wasn't always destined for a a finance career. I was actually an arts uh, major uh, for most of my education, um, I grew up in the UK, um, in case um, people can't tell from my accent, I'm almost yes. still there. Um, and I dropped maths when I was 16 and went on to do my A-levels. My A-levels were all arts-based. Um, there was economics in there, but, you know, not kind of maths or anything like not business, anything like that. And I did history at university. Wow. Um, and I came Shit. out. Yeah, yeah. And so I came out of university really not having a clue what I wanted to do. Um, and certainly I didn't want to do finance. Um, my mum's actually an accountant. Um, yes. So, I, you know, definitely didn't want to do what she was doing. Um, it, it, you know, all of the accountants I'd come across in my time were all of you very standard kind of brown cardigan wearing. Um, Conservative. Uh, yeah. Boring. Boring. Yeah. <laughs> you know, this was the 80s. So it was a long time ago. But, um, you know, it wasn't really something I wanted to very narrow idea what finance was and it wasn't actually until I I got kind of one of my first jobs leaving university and I was working on this hotel project working um with the the finance director who who was who was my mum um and seeing that what what they were basically doing is it was four townhouses in London that they were kind of knocking through and building a hotel out of okay and 
I when I when I first got the job, it was literally a building site. We stepped onto a building site, and I just saw for the first time what you could do with a finance career that didn't involve sitting in a back office playing with a calculator from nine to five and then, you know, getting your brown cardigan and getting out of there. Um, and I really loved that. Um, and so I then went on to get a grad role at uh, PricewaterhouseCoopers, Coopers and Librand as it was then. And I went into an area of the, the firm, which was audit. And yes. if, yeah, if people aren't familiar with what happens in audit, so audit is, um, you know, a statutory process that that um, the governments and kind of corporate regulators put on top of larger businesses to make sure that they're being run fairly. Um, we'll put Enron and all of those kind of things to side for a second. Yeah. But, <laughs> put that in the, the governance part over there. But basically what your job was, it was to walk into a business, understand it really quickly and kind of work out whether, you know, whether the financials actually reflected what the business was doing. And so at, how old was I, 22 when I started there, I got this huge breadth of experience kind of wandering into all of these different types of businesses because of the nature of the job, talking to these really senior people within those businesses um, that, that, you know, a 22-year-old really would never yeah, get exposed to. If you were actually, work, ironically, if you were working in that business, you wouldn't be talking to, to the directors. So it was a really um, a really unique position. And um, I feel really lucky that that was kind of my first experience of business. But it was quite interesting Um uh, you know, converting from being a, a history graduate to, you know, doing finance with no kind of finance, uh, no accounting training. I mean, I know, I think, I think it's still in, I think it's the case in the UK now as well. I know it certainly is in Australia that you do your accounting degree and then you kind yes. of go into an accounting career. Yeah, I have, am. Yeah. I actually worked in the bank. One of my first jobs was in the bank. So I was in the bank for like four years. Um back in the day where we actually did our tallies up in a little exercise book at the end of the day. <laughs> Those were the days. Those were the days. <laughs> you, hoped you, cal- you, hoped you, you hoped your calculator had batteries, otherwise you were doing it all in your head. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's character building. Yeah. But, but yeah, when I, when I first started that job at PwC, for the first week they didn't even let you walk into the office. So they took you off to this kind of training kind of yeah camp and you did this intense course which was part of your conversion for a week and if you didn't get over 75 percent in the exam at the end of the week you lost your job before you'd even walked into the office you lost your job wow and then um you you did your first year of exams and kind of working and all of that kind of thing but you sat your first year exams at the end and if you failed those exams you lost your job and then so the se- second year i think you got uh, one do over and then same thing, but but yeah, it was it was pretty brutal. It is pretty brutal, yeah. Yeah, so yeah, it, you, yeah, you had. I, I had to kind of switch my switch gears on my brain um, quite quickly. Absolutely. Well, I was going to ask you like what the greatest challenge is. Like that was a challenge as well. That would have set you up though quite resilient. So, what would you say in your life and that has been one of your greatest challenges? Um, you know, I mean, that was, I wouldn't say kind of that was one of my greatest challenges. I think that that was, you know, 
that was a work challenge. I think some yeah. of your greatest challenges are always a lot deeper than that. Yeah. Obviously, losing a job is not great. No. But um, Although at 22, I don't know that we cared that much, did we? <laughs> drop a duck's back. Um, so, so naive. Yeah. <laughs> um, look, I think that, um, you know, I think that the nature of the jobs that I did for a very long time, maybe... Maybe it's a gender issue as well. Um, I have only recently discovered boundaries. <laughs> oh, um, yes. And so, you know, I've, 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 you know, I've driven myself and I take full responsibility for it. Nobody did it to me, but, um, you know, driven myself into burnout a few yes. other times during my life, which, you know, anyone that's been through that know that that has ramifications on every part of your life. So, um, so, you know, kind of really unlearning a lot of those behaviours um, became, yes. you know, you know, became a, a necessity for survival at that point. I think it just got to, particularly after I had kids, I think, because when it's just you, I think you can be a bit more cavalier yeah, with yourself. Absolutely. Um, and but when I had other people, other small people relying on me being well, um, it puts a very different perspective on things for me. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, and boundaries. I think you know, and I think it is a gender thing because I know you know a lot of women I work with is about those boundaries and I know for myself around mental health and all of that you know and I, I say now do you know what self-care is so important because it's only when you're looking after yourself you can give the best of you to everyone else yeah you know yeah. and it, it's reframing those old-fashioned work ethics and you know um, mother guilt and all of that to going no if you're looking after yourself you're a better version and you can actually give much more absolutely but it is a real kind of it just takes a lot of work to unlift those very ingrained um you know those very ingrained ideas you have about what success is what um you know perseverance even what resilience is i mean i think resilience was just being able to keep on and on and on and on and on and actually now I, i'm finally starting on to understand that resilience is about making sure that you've got that balance and making sure that you've got that flexibility and that yeah. you know kindness to yourself that yeah, allows absolutely. you to do the best work yeah having strategies to overcome the obstacles in a healthy way mm -hmm. is that yeah, yeah. so that's the challenge. What? Who would you say has been the biggest influence in your life? Oh, look, I'm, I'm, I'm going to do the massive cliche, and um, that's I would, okay. I would have to say it was my mum. Yeah, um, she, she's inspired so many things for me, mostly kind of um, unintentionally, unaware um, that, but, but was such a great role model um her you know she she was raised by a single mother in Singapore in the 50s 60s at a you know with no mm, no real support. social security mm. framework or support around her her mother had four children her her husband had died when she was pregnant with her fourth she had no family so she was a single mother with no family around her and um you know it it just one it it, it 
spread that kind of genuine resilience and kind of just mm. just to you know get it done um but also i think that it helped you know things like you know um you know women not being good with finances for example i think that if that's your background you don't you don't have the luxury of not being good with finances you know where every single dollar every single cent is going yeah. um and so um she brought us up to be very self sufficient she you know she was of the generation where she was seeing um some of her friends you know marriages break down in in their in their 40s knowing nothing about you know, not you know yes. not working since having kids knowing nothing about finances not even sure how their bank accounts were all of those kind of things and she was absolutely determined that that would not be how we operated and we saw the yeah. world which I'm incredibly grateful for yeah um, amazing I'm gonna say I was a single mum the whole time like my son's 21 now and yeah so I totally relate to what you're yeah. saying you know I mean I had a sort of background in finance so it was reasonably easy for me but still you know as a single parent and a single mum like you've you just got to you yeah. you know but again that's also that part you know it's a double-edged sword isn't it because that's also part of that boundaries doing everything for everyone else as well because yeah. you because you have this thing where you you know everyone I think as a single mum you know everyone's looking for you to fail mm. so you've actually sometimes got to try harder and harder perform better yeah just yeah. to prove everyone wrong <laughs> yeah. yeah I mean god it's such a tough gig it really um so yeah so so yeah she, she always has been kind of yeah. my my role model I think yeah yeah I have a fabulous mother who's always worked she's 82 now she still ah. does her gardening paints roofs oh. um you know and, and amazing amazing to watch you know see them grow older but still be active loves her social media stays up to date with all the grandkids and all of that and I think that's that's a thing about aging isn't it you know you've still got to stay current yeah yeah and stay in the in the world that is today even if you don't necessarily like it adapt yeah yeah, you know, yeah absolutely adapt because that's how you stay connected yeah and well. also you know your your mind is a muscle as much as your your body has muscles you know you 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 need to kind of keep it um strong and you train yeah. do all of those things it's so important for you know how you exist in the world and how you kind of continue to thrive um i think it's really really important definitely and another thing i think that's really important to thrive in the world is laughter so what makes Michelle laugh? <laughs> um, oh gosh. Do you know do you know what it do you know um like I I am the world's worst joke teller. Um I can't tell a joke to save my life. Um but there is nothing better than those belly laughs you yes. have with your close group of girlfriends. It's just like it honestly just when for the soul you snort when you're snorting and the tears are coming out and and you just can't stop and everybody's forgotten what they were laughing about in the first place so it's just yeah yeah gorgeous. i've got a, i've got a couple of groups of girlfriends that you know we whenever we catch up it's just you know there's a lot of laughing which is yeah, yeah. and it's so important you know one of the things i always say you know as adults we forget to have fun yeah 
Yeah. Well, I sometimes think that we're not allowed to. Yeah. And and yet it's so enriching for us and it's so healthy for us. Um, so on that, how do you maintain your mental and physical health? Obviously you're quite busy in work and kids. Yeah, look, I I think it's a constant work in progress. I think I am better at taking care of my body now than I am still taking care of my mind. Um, You know, I I keep quite, I'm not anywhere near as fit as you are, but, um, you know, I do try and keep relatively active and fit. And, you know, like anything else, it's habit. It's when it gets to be a thing that you aren't consciously going to do, it's just something you get up yes. and do. Yeah. I, I remember someone telling me about how they reframed a certain thing from our, you know, I think they were talking about, I don't know, cakes or something like that. And they were they were talking about um our I don't do this anymore, rather than like, oh I shouldn't, or or yeah. I'm like, you know, I don't, or I do. Like it's just that very clear, this is what I do. Yes. Um, and words matter, you know, words matter so much. And like I always go, don't use the word should. Yeah. yeah. Judgment. Yeah. You could have, and but you didn't. Okay, yeah. that's cool. Old, old, old arts, arts student, I'm like absolutely fanatical about that. Language is so important. Yeah. Um, it, sh- like, it literally shapes the way you think. It's so important to to use your words and your language intentionally. Um, and I'm a really, really big believer yeah. in that. But, yeah, no, the, the exercise part wasn't always easy. I remember I, I only really got into it when I came to Australia, which was about 20 years ago now. And I remember like, I would never have got up at 5.30 in the morning to do a boot camp on the beach. But, in you know, I, I'm lucky enough to live kind of near the beach in Sydney. And, um, you know, it, I mean, it's just so as, as an English person coming to Australia, oh, it's yes. an incredible thing in the world. Of course you'll go out and do it. But it was such an unnatural thing for me. I would have to go to bed in my gym gear. Someone gave me that that trick. I'd have to go to bed in my gym gear. So when I woke up, I'd feel so stupid going back to bed, still wearing my gym gear, that I would just have to go. Get up. I love that. That's a great idea. And look, and I say, you know, I'm, you know, I'm not a fan of the fitness industry myself, like after being in it, you know, and I just always say, you know, do things you love. Yeah. Exercise, make it fun. You yeah. know, the goal should be about your well-being. Yeah, yeah. Not about your diet. Not about how much you weigh. You know, none of that. I think we. I think you know there is a little slight change, slight around that way of looking at fitness and exercise. But you know, it's still got a long way to go. Um, yeah. You know, that whole pressure. You know, especially on women. To, yeah be yeah. a certain size to look a certain way to you know apparently we're not never supposed to age yeah no. <laughs> fascinating now with that whole never supposed to age and you know you know could be careful about what i say because I, i'm not meaning this in a, a judgmental way but you know you have a lot of younger girls now getting kind of surgery or surgical procedures and now you have this range of ages from like 20-ish to 40-ish, all at the same age. Yes. It's just, I find it fascinating. Yeah, look, and I think, you know, but, you know, I like to talk about that too because it's something that actually concerns me and watching, you know, reading up on the impacts of that, especially around mental health as well, you know, what, you know, looking at why 
people do that and generally you know a lot of it and same like I'm all I'm supportive if that's what you want to do like god do whatever you know if it makes you feel better Mm. but if it's a bit like me when I was in addiction Mm. yeah alcohol made me feel better temporarily but it didn't actually solve why I was feeling bad in the first place and I see that with a lot of cosmetic surgery it's this temporary fix to a problem that's still going to stay there Mm -hmm. um so I you know I find it uh, in those cases you know there's it's too easy Mm -hmm. to to have surgeries these days um and yeah and then now like honestly they're saying this which is an interesting thing even like with Botox because they haven't had they're only starting to get long-term studies so now they've got older women going in for medical surgeries that might be eye related nose face yeah and yeah when the doctors go to operate they've got like hardened muscles and things like that so they're yeah so you know it's one of those things it's a bit like you know silicon implants Mm. you know we're learning more and more about the unhealthy side effects yeah yeah from all those things and you know some of those things take years and years for us to find out so so like you know that's why i always like push you know start just loving yourself however you are yeah except except our wrinkles very good good philosophy for life and plus i don't want botox i want people to know when i'm cross with them yeah yeah that's what i mean no one would know when my one what do i call it the um i used to always have it at work and go now tell me if i've got the what the fuck face on (laughs) you know what one client um, at uh when we were on zoom calls when when covid first started the world was on zooms we're on zooms and we were in the middle of a a transaction and we had lawyers on both both sides and i was on the call and there were a number of people on the call and i just got him messaging off to the side kind of go michelle Either watch what your face is doing or turn the camera off. <laughs> Apparently, I'm sitting there. <laughs> that, that's that's me all the time. My girlfriend's just giggle because I, I I really can't not. And I'll be sitting yeah. there, like in meetings, yeah, saying, "Going like, did like, did you really just say that?" Yeah. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> did I hear that correctly? <laughs> okay. Um. So, if you could change one thing about the world, just one. Oh, what would it be? Oh man, just one thing. Just one thing. Oh, I don't know. Instead of taking the Tim Tams for your wish, never-ending Tim Tams, you've got one <laughs> wish. <laughs> Surely it's got to be something food-related, right? <laughs> you know, actually, do you know what one thing I would love? Um, and this is just because I live so far away from from my immediate family, and you know, COVID borders shutting mm. was really difficult. Yeah. Um, and it, you know, like I said, I've been here twenty years this year, and um, you know, this was the first time I couldn't go. I'm so lucky; nothing bad happened mm. to any of my family whilst whilst the borders were shut. But that was just dumb luck. Um, so I would have some sort of teleportation device between England and Australia. Yes. Some little kind of little tunnel that kind of just, just teleports. 
Uh, yeah, just that would let me go and have a cup of tea with my mum and my sister on a Sunday and then just be back in time for dinner. Yeah, would... I'd be in for that. I love, because I love travelling and I love other cultures. Yeah. And it's just like there's, you know, not enough weeks in the year to like go to all those places. But you could just like go, oh, okay, I can just go here for a day. Uh, awesome with that fair. Yeah, it would be amazing. Yeah, do you know, maybe not our lifetime, but I don't think it's that far away. No, well, they're now from... They're now talking about um, shortening. I mean, they've, they've now got the direct flight from Australia through to, to um, I think it's Darwin now, isn't it? Not Perth. Yes. Uh, and they're talking about the, the Sydney-London one coming in only a, a year or two's time, which yeah. will be quite amazing. So. Yeah. Fantastic. What advice would you give to women who are listening if they're, They've got a dream or they've got a goal and they're too scared to go after it. I would firstly say don't wait for the conditions to be perfect. They'll never be perfect. Um, And I think that there's something very powerful about incremental steps. You don't have to, if you're here, you don't have to be here tomorrow but you might be here. And then if you just keep on doing that and keep on doing it, it doesn't have to be big, scary moves. And it's incredible how much progress you can make just by making those small steps consistently. Yeah, absolutely. And I think think that really helps take away some of the fear around it. Um, So, yeah. Yeah. I think I know I said, like, I have a saying called, like, there's no small changes. Yeah. 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 And, and saying, like, you know, in, in fitness and things like that, like, just do five minutes. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's better than nothing. Yeah. And then it becomes something you yeah. do. I do. I do. I do it. Yes. And then five minutes turns into 10 minutes, turns into 15 minutes. Yeah. I, I used to run a fair amount, kind of more than yeah. I do today. And it would never fail to, to amaze me. That no matter how, and I did a few half marathons, never really got any further than that. But no matter whether I ran for 20 minutes or two hours, the first 10 minutes were really, really hard. Yeah. The longer you run, the more of that run is fun. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I have like, I call it about the 3K zone. 3Ks. Yeah. If I can get past that 3K mark, then I'm okay. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's where all right. those incremental steps get yeah. you. Yeah, definitely. Um, so when something seems impossible, how do you handle it? I'm a big believer in support networks. Mm-hmm. Talk yep. to, um, in my corporate consultant course, I talk a lot about support networks because what I find is that if you are trying to do something new or something that feels so outside of what you've always done or how you've always operated often you don't know many other people or any other people that are doing the thing that you want to do um and i think if you think something's impossible seek out the people that have done it and talk to them because I think what you quick, quite quickly find out is they're not that different from you. No. And so you talk to those people and you, you, you find out what their stories are and how their journeys worked. And 
you realize I think that 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 could be you too and I yeah. think that's that's really really important to seek out those people that are where you want to be one of the founders we we work with has kind of the advice in the converse and he always says never ask the advice of someone who hasn't been where you want to go and the opposite of that is always ask the advice of someone who is where you want to go and I think it's really important yeah definitely yeah modeling those people who've succeeded in an area that you want to be is absolutely you know I'm a big one like you know walk the talk follow the people that you know do what they say um and you know as well, I think it get to know them because a, a lot of people we have, especially in the whole social media world, that, you know, it's really easy. Yeah. But, you know, most people who are successful, whether, you know, social media, business, whatever, have got a massive story of challenges. Yeah. And I think, you know, and that's why, I like, you know, I think it's important to share that because that's otherwise true. everything just seems so unrealistic for people. Yeah. yeah. Like you said, get to know people and understand that they are just like you. Yeah. And if they can do it, then yeah, you can do it. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. So, what is your next adventure, life adventure? Where are you heading? Oh, my next life adventure. Um, Personal-wise, oh, so much more travel on the cards. I'm so looking forward to um to getting out in the world more. Yeah. Um, sort of put, put our toes out in the water kind of last year, but but um, you know, catching up with family and, and re reconnecting. My family's very scattered around the globe. Um, so you know, reconnecting with all of them is definitely something that that I want to do next. And in terms of the business, um growing the business so that we can serve a larger cohort of yeah. founders. Um, achieve what they they want to do um, and help them achieve their business goals. Yeah, so. fantastic. Um, I should also mention that Michelle and I are both on the Women Thrive Summit from 20 March to 24 okay. March. Um, I'll put details in our links and there'll be links um, all to um, Michelle. So if you want to contact her for anything, um, any of her services and, and even if, I know I read it out at the start, but like, if you just like in your own words, Michelle, explain, you know, more of what you do so that if anyone wants to, you know, wants to reach out and model what you yeah. do, you model yeah. your success. <laughs> so my, my my core business is Lantern Partners, which is a virtual CFO advisory business. So what we do is we work with founders, CEOs of startups and scale-ups, um, and we help them with a couple of pain points. We help the businesses scale and grow sustainably um, to be less reliant on the founder, whether they want to supersize their business or whether they want to sell their business or whether they want to just step back a little bit from the day to day. What you need in order to do that is kind of robust systems and process, particularly from the yeah. finance side. And we also help a lot of businesses get ready to sell as well, because that's that's something that, that a lot of founders want. Yeah, always have an um, exit plan always have an exit plan um but uh, and also there's exit plans they they take time to, to mm. develop um but i also run a course called corporate consultant and that's specifically um helping people who want to move from a corporate role into a consulting career of their own 
Um, I think that particularly over the last couple of years, people have got a lot more open to the possibilities of working for themselves, using their knowledge um, to help others, whether other individuals or other businesses. Um, you know, unfortunately, there just isn't uh, such a thing as job security anymore within no. corporates. Um, and so I think people's risk appetite has changed towards um, going um, going out on their own. But, um, you know, certainly through my experience, they um, there there is a bit of a formula to getting it right, I think. Um, and what I go through in the course yes. is, is the seven steps um, to to making it a successful leap. Yeah, awesome. And I look, I when I left corporate into the entrepreneur world, I did have a mentor and coach. Yeah. Um, so yeah, what you do is so important because I also know a lot of people who do leave who don't have those support. And, and like you said in something earlier, you said, you know, you don't know what you don't know. Yeah. And, you know, we all need extra eyes on us, you yeah. know, keep us accountable. Accountability. See, we can't see through our own filters. Yeah, it's not right yeah. or wrong. We just have, you know, a certain way of looking at the world. And, um, yeah, so, yeah, I wish I'd have known, you know, I needed services like that when I left corporate because yeah. yeah. um, it is when you're used to being in a nine-to-five job, like entrepreneurship couldn't be any more different. <laughs> it's way, you know, absolutely way more rewarding. Yeah. But comes with its own set of challenges. Absolutely. Um, and you definitely need support yeah. to do that for sure. Well, thank you so much, Michelle. And oh, it's been great and good to get to know you a little bit more. Yeah. Um, you know, like I said, everyone reach out to Michelle, follow her on a social media. I'll put up all the links as well on the page. And um, it's been great to be back on the couch with Caroline, finding out what makes people be the impossible. And we hope we've inspired you to maybe make some changes in your life that are really going to benefit you. And, you know, as women, you know, you can maybe just stop giving a fuck about everything. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Thanks, Michelle. Thank you. Bye-bye.